Every climber on this planet should be working on the strength element of climbing for a good portion of the year. Hey y'all, I'm Ryan Devlin and welcome to this month's Struggle Climbing Show Coach Chat, where I connect with elite climbing coaches to talk through my personal training goals and struggles, listener questions, and also dive into a topic or two that will hopefully prove useful to you on your training journey. Now today we got Tom Randall from Lattice coming back in the hot seat with us, and we're going to get an update from me and Tom on how our fall projects went. Spoiler alert, they haven't yet. And if you're like us and you're still trying to wrap up some unfinished business, I think you're going to gain a lot from that part of the conversation. And then Tom and I dive into an exploration of winter training, testing, and also how to think about spring goals and what Tom feels every climber should be focusing more on over the next few months. This coach chat is brought to you at zero cost today thanks to our friends over at Rungni, makers of Magdust Chalk and the comfiest dang climbing apparel around. Now I've been using Magdust for the past few months here in the gym and out on my project on rock and it's awesome stuff you guys. It feels great, it performs great, and it doesn't break the bank. And by the way it's not just me who loves it, it's at the top of a ton of review lists for best chalk. Plus they just came out with a liquid chalk, I'm super psyched for that. You can hit that link in your show notes there to check out all of the rad stuff that Rongni makes, and also for a chance to win a year supply of Magdust plus other cool discounts and prizes. It's all over at Rungni.com. Head over there and support the show. Hello, dear listener. How are you? It's me, Ryan. Happy New Year. Uh, it's still it's still a happy New Year season, I feel like. At the end of this week, we can no longer or are no longer obligated to say Happy New Year, but right now. I am wishing you a happy new year, and I think it's going to be a really good one. Why am I talking to you right now? Well, I'm asking you if you like this podcast. If you do and you want to support it in a totally free way, I put out a monthly newsletter, and I think it's pretty good. I work hard on it. It features some behind-the-scenes stuff from the show, exclusive content from guests and videos and that kind of thing, and it's not spammy. You know, it's just like one email a month. That's usually all my brain can handle, but subscribing to it is a really easy, zero-cost way to support this show, which I would really appreciate. You can sign up for it in like eight seconds. Just pop by thestruggleclimbingshow.com, which is still just a landing page. I'm going to build a website at some point in time, but it's just a landing page. You put in your email address right there. It'll get you on the newsletter email list, and I'll send you a free sticker for doing it. So thank you so much for supporting the show, and Happy New Year. All right, now let's dive into some winter training with Tom Randall. I kind of barely know what day of the week it is at any point, really. Yeah, totally. I just watch whatever's in the calendar and go, oh, yeah, I should be doing that today. Oh, my God, especially over holiday break, you know, with the kids off. Like, I just I completely lost track of reality. You know, there's there was no there was no Tuesday. What's Tuesday? It's just like another day of madness. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I think probably the best place to start is maybe picking up where we left off on our last chat, which was late October. We were both heading off after a, a good focus training block to to take a shot at our projects. And it wouldn't be the struggle if we weren't both still struggling, I think, to <laughs> to get those ticks. So maybe we could recap a little bit of our seasons here. How did it go out in the desert for you? Yeah, so it went, I would say, overall 
really, really good. Like I, the way I tried to think of it was that I, I had an approach and a strategy with which I tried to prepare for that project being stranger than fiction out in the Moab area of Utah. And according to the plan that I put in and the kind of results that I wanted for that time and that resource, pretty much everything lined up as I expected. And so the resulting kind of feeling from that whole process was one, my preparation was really successful and I was really happy with how my body sort of responded to the training and how I felt physically and psychologically on the trip, but also that it was on the surface, it appeared like a non-successful trip because I didn't get the project done, but I did know that it was maybe like right at the margins of what was possible, if not even just a little bit outside of it. So actually it kind of ended up being what I would class as maybe one of my most successful trips, despite being one that I didn't send, which is really odd to say, but I was really happy with how everything went leading up to it and how the trip went. I love hearing that. I really think that, you know, obviously success is kind of on this spectrum in how we define success as I've had conversations with Hazel Finlay about and others, you know, really does matter. And for you to have put in so much training, focus training, get out there and make incredible progress on the project, at least from, you know, the updates that you were posting and Pete was posting and Lore as well. Of course, Lore was able to send while, while y'all were out there. It looked like you were really dialed in and really fit. And that route for those who haven't been following along, if you got to check out Stranger Than Fiction, I mean, it seems like it just throws everything at you. And so, yeah, I'm curious, you know, where you felt you made the most growth or the most progress or maybe anything that surprised you about the route. Yeah, so I'd say the thing that I learned with this trip and one that I think others should probably always be aware of if they're going to try a project which is very much in the what I would call the sort of full bore power endurance range where you basically don't really have any rest moves on the whole route and it's pretty much full on from the base kind of to the top is that with this style of route if those boulder problems are pretty hard for you the nature of the fact that they're all stacked on top of each other and you don't get proper recovery to enter into the next section and then have a margin for error because you've recovered and you're ready for that next section of four moves, eight moves, 12 moves, is that you are going to feel really battered after every day of projecting it on it. So you probably have to set your expectations that rest from your projecting days. It's going to have to be quite high on the trip. And secondly, is if you're not able to get your bouldering grade, a good comfortable margin over the crux sections, you're probably not going to link it all together. Because what I found on that trip was that on that particular project, if I'd had, say, two or three quite good rests on the route where I could have got a lot back, I think I would have had a chance on it. But my bouldering grade when I went on the trip was adequate to do all of the boulder sections and climb them relatively quickly, put all the sequences together, but it wasn't adequate to go, oh yeah, that's kind of like semi-cruiser on these boulder sections. It was just always right until the last day that I had on it. Whoa, that's 
full on. And that's not enough if this thing is going to be all out power endurance. You need more margin for error. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've been experiencing that in my own way on my own um, version of Stranger Than Fiction. And I think that was also apparent just in a great interview that you did with Lore after they sent in talking about how they worked really hard to bring that bouldering grade much higher than kind of each individual section would require. And it was still obviously a multi-year project for them. Um, and then also seeing Pete, you know, almost come off on the last couple of moves, which weren't don't didn't look like particularly hard moves, but you're just so flamed by the time you get through all of that other climbing. So, yeah, I think that's maybe a, a good takeaway or, or segue, at least into a little mini update on my project. And by the way, congratulations. Mm. I mean, you trained your ass off. You went out there and you gave that thing hell and I'm, I'm sure have a lot of muscle memory. What, what do you think of, before we, we shift over to mine, what do you think of unfinished business? Is this is this one where like you got to get back to it or are there 700 other things on your list and, you know, maybe you'll cross paths again? Yeah, it's definitely in the high prioritization zone and I've kind of worked out a partner for next year to go back and which month I'll go back next year. So that's kind of where it's fit. But I do leave it as being a sort of a floating moving item. And I'll always discuss that with partners and say, hey, if I'm not feeling it three, four months out, I might actually defer it to the next year or if I'm not feeling quite ready for it. Because what I have learned is if you don't go back to the second season and you're in the right shape, mentally, it can be a lot harder and you can start to dig yourself a bit of a hole. So it's almost better to just park it until you are in the right place because it's hard to go back and not perform as well the second time on it, even though you might still learn things. So I think you have to be a little careful of that, even if you're a total, you know, mindset Jedi. It's something to be aware of for sure. Yeah. Well, awesome. I mean, we're, uh, this is such a great entry point into kind of the topic of the, of this chat with you here, which is essentially kind of what happens in the winter season in our case right now, or just the in-between season, if a project doesn't quite go down or maybe if it does, but for those out there who uh, maybe are working on something that's a multi-season thing. So just a little update for me, I've been trying to climb my first 513A been training really hard working with Roz, my coach over there at Lattice, you know, broke down the route in its parts and very, very limit for me. First of all, I picked a route that was not low hanging fruit intentionally. I wanted to push myself and learn and get better as a, an overall climber. So I think there are any number of 13 A's I, I could have chosen at the red that I, I would have likely put down with much more ease than this route that I've chosen, which is called the force at the dark side, notoriously heartbreaking like red point crux, just two moves from the chains. But all the business is down low. First four bolts, really hold hard boulder problems um, for, for me relative to my bouldering. There's, you know, like a V3 into a V4 into a V5 and then, you know, some really good rests and then maybe like a, you know, 12 minus or so kind of five bolts to the chains with this like really heartbreaking kind of red point crux just right at the top. Some power endurance moves right right when you don't have any left in the tank. In any case, it took me months just to figure out the boulders because I'm I max boulder is V5. So like I'm kind of at my max already trying to work out these lower boulders and then having to recover on the route and, and then make it up to the chains. So months of not even making it first th through the first four bolts. And now I was out on the project yesterday. I got a, a little bit of a weather window, ended up being manky. It kind of went into a cloud. But every single time I've been out to the project for the last five sessions now, I've gone from the ground to 
two moves before the chains. So I put that at, I don't know, 12D or maybe soft 13A. Like, and it's like automatic, Tom. Ground to the first to the to those last couple moves. And then I just can't quite, it's this really big like drop knee, reach up, latch this tiny thing with like just the tip of one finger and you got to hold it. And I'm just like so gas, even though I'm like resting at that last bolt, which I never could do. I just like, I pull into that last sequence, which is like long and it kicks back a little bit. And I go from feeling pretty decent to like at 0%, you know, but it's like this mix of emotions because I'm so proud of myself doing this route three times in a day from ground up past the last bolt, which I never could have imagined just a, a month or two ago. But it's also like so heartbreaking because I'm like, I'm staring the chains in the face, you know? Yeah, yeah. And you do that three times in a single day? Yeah, I go out and just bang, bang, bang. Like it's the lower stuff's not even particularly hard anymore. It's crazy. There's one thing I'd say for certain on this given that you can do it three times in a day to the last move, you have got this route for sure. So? Physically. And you, yeah. If, if you can do that three times all the way to that point on a power endurance route and climbing that number of harder sequences in, in it, and you're all the way through into the end of the outro section of it, this will just come down to basically a combination of either well, I mean, we can go through those things if you want to. It depends on how you want to break this podcast. Yeah, up. well, I'm, yeah, I mean, I, I want to try to make it also like applicable, but we can use me as the case study. I'm happy to do it because I certainly could use the help. But it's like, you know, I'm at this point where the there's still going to be good days, but I'm also like, God, I haven't really trained in a while. You know, aside from being out on the route, I just like I'm just checking the weather. I'm just constantly checking the mm -hmm. weather. And so. Yeah, I'm certainly curious on your thoughts here because I could, I do feel like it could go, but I also feel like it quote unquote could go for another seven sessions or something like that. If I don't get great dry conditions or if I'm just not feeling great or my foot pops or something like that, because it is, it's not just like I have to pull a couple, you know, V0 moves to get to the chains. Like it's in isolation, maybe it's like a V3 or something like that. But after that much climbing, it's been, um, it's been really hard, you know, so I, I appreciate your confidence though. So I'll let you continue that train of thought. Yeah. So there's a few things that I would do in this situation. So the first thing is I would look to get back on the route on one of your days and attempt to red point that route or find out what happens if you start from say bolt two or something where at least you're reducing out maybe around a minute of time on the beginning of the route or just four, five, six of the harder moves at the start, just like just knocking a little edge off it and see whether you can actually go to the chains. So basically something which doesn't physically actually take off that much of the route, just a tiny little percentage point, but mentally means that when you're going for those last moves, you know that even if you hit them, you're not getting the send. So you will just, by default, tend to focus just on performing rather than thinking, oh my God, I'm going to do my project now. Oh my God, it's so close. You just get on performing. So you get to basically find out how you perform that. So I think that's one strategy that I would definitely take on this is just finding out what happens with that. 
Secondly, is I would look at how I might climb a little faster on the route and see whether there's some ways to make up some time on the route. Just because I've seen it a lot in the past where people start to like drop the last move is it's often not because they're not strong enough or they haven't got enough fitness. It's because they just have spent so much time on the route that they're kind of they're burning through those sort of energy reserves to operate at a certain intensity and they're just beyond the threshold and to gain another 15 seconds another 30 seconds on the route is really hard to train that and go back to the starting balls to do more but it's quite straightforward actually if you really proactively think about could i save another 15 seconds on this route somewhere can i just chalk up a few less times or can i just clip in a slightly better place like there's a few ways of doing this so I think that would be the other strategy. And then the last thing I would look at doing would be you clearly have very good work capacity at the volume and the intensity, which with it you have for this route. The, the evidence is you can climb it three times in a day to the end of the route. So I would strip back any ancillary training that you are doing away from your project to only being very high intensity quality training, i.e. bouldering or fingerboarding, and don't do any endurance work or power endurance off the project. Because you will have a window now for at least, I would say, two to four weeks where without any of that ancillary fitness work, you will maintain what is definitely perfectly adequate fitness, and you'll just top up the strength level, potentially just enough to actually move through and, and hit the chains. And those are the three things that I would say would be my go-to. And those, you might not even need to do three. You can probably just do one and you'll go, oh, that worked. Wow, that's really interesting. That last point there. I mean, I'll kind of recap all of that just so I can make sure I'm understanding. But it's counter to what I was thinking in my mind, which is like, oh, if I keep popping just a couple moves from the chains, maybe I need to like take some time and go hit the tread wall for a while and just try to build up a little bit more of that tank. But because you're saying I'm essentially getting the treadwall experience on the route itself. And so maybe what I need is a moonboard session or something like that, just to get a little bit more powerful to be able to bring some ease into all the moves up to that point and, and then to have what's left for those moves. Although I have been here for a while. So, you know, it's been, you said maybe two to four weeks. I mean, I've probably been at this place for four weeks. So at what point does that start to drop off? In terms of fitness? Yeah. Yeah, it definitely means that you're absolutely fine. That That is is not your issue here. And I know it's tempting to think, oh, well, I'll just do even more fitness training because this is a fitness route. But right. you will see. It's like that whole low-hanging fruit concept. Right now, additional fitness is going to be a very hard one because you're fit. Where you might see a lower-hanging fruit is improvements in recruitment again because typically you see with any climbers when they're in their kind of peak fitness, especially on longer style routes, they'll complain that they feel a little under-recruited and their max fingerboard scores are kind of like down, you know, at least 10% a lot of the time. And they don't feel so snappy strong on a system board. So I would be looking at that lower hanging fruit here, which actually is very complementary to the projecting work because the great thing about this high intensity training is you don't need to do it to exhaustion. And you don't have, need to have really long sessions. So I wouldn't be going and doing things where I'm like repeatedly doing, you know, five hard moves on a moon board or a kilt board or whatever it is, system board, 
then dropping off, taking 30 seconds, five hard moves, 30 seconds off, five hard moves. None of that at all. It's just try a really hard problem, quality attempt, take five minutes plus to rest. Now try another diff- other hard problem. Just getting really recruited up, getting really good at that particular angle and that style of hold, that size of hold that you've got on your project. And that's what I'd be doing. Yeah, I love that. Well, you know, I really like that as it, I think supports also kind of the mental side of what I've been experiencing on this. And this speaks to that first point that you made, which is, hey, take the send pressure off, jug up a couple bolts and just try to quote unquote, you know, send from there. But you know, you're not getting the send because I think, I, I mean, I am in my head now. I I recognized yesterday when I was out on the project and this only has just started seeping in that I'm starting to feel kind of stressed by it. You know, it. I've been enjoying the process. I've been loving the whole thing. And then just yesterday, I was like, God, I kind of feel like I need to be here rather than I want to be here. And I left the crag after talking to some the buddies that I was out with who are stronger climbers than me. And, you know, their advice was like, look, today wasn't a great day. And you kind of like forced it. And, you know, you did great like you always do. But maybe kind of forget about the send for a minute, get back into some training. And then like when a beautiful day comes up and you're feeling good, then like come out and give it a go. And like, you'll it'll probably go. And it, that kind of was almost like a big sigh for me, just hearing that and thinking to myself like, yeah, maybe I could do that. It's just two hours away. But I didn't want to lose all this progress that I've made. And so just hearing what you're saying there is like, maybe they're one in the same. I can tuck back into like a couple days a week on the system board at my gym and have fun with my friends doing that. And to your point, do one problem every five minutes and hang out for an hour and have a good time without undermining that great weather day that pops up on, you know, next Tuesday that I can get out to. So yeah, maybe that supports it because I think mentally I have been a little bit fatigued. I put some pressure on myself. I've also made it very public, like, oh, I'm going to, you know, this is my thing. And like, I'm doing the podcast about it and all that. So I think maybe giving myself the permission to just go back into like some fun training and take a stab at it when the conditions align could be great. I also think the other way of sometimes looking at projects when you might be mentally finding a bit harder or you're not quite sure whether you've still got it in you or you should have a break or whether you've even been, you know, successful as such is to, I suppose not it's like reframe, but kind of just talk to your former self and say, if I spoke to Ryan from six months ago and said, right now, if I gave you a 12D, let's say, to the point you've got to, or a soft 13A, do you think right now you could climb a 12D three times in a session back to back or climb a soft 13A three times back to back in a session right now? And I think your answer would be no. And then if I said, how about if you went and did a training cycle and you worked really hard on it and at the end of that training cycle you got to where you are now and you did get to that point i think almost all people go yeah that'd be absolutely brilliant i'd be really happy with that so it can be in climbing and perhaps lots of things in life or other sports is that the line between what is classically defined as success versus something which isn't often defined as success is just so narrow that we lose sight of the fact that ultimately you've been very, very successful with the results that you've generated from this past training cycle and how much time that you've put in it. 
And I, and I think that's important to, to recognize because then you basically stay in this mindset where you go, ah, oh, I am actually enjoying this and I am getting a lot out of it. And that's what I always want to remind to everyone out there is that all the people I see who are really good at projecting long-term, you know, year after year, decade after decade, have this very similar mindset with their projecting. They are able to see the kind of smaller successes that come out of things, even though on paper, you can't make a all singing, all dancing social media post about it, or you can't put it on your 8ANU tick list. Just sorry, that just isn't in that category. Not yet. Right, right. No, I, I appreciate that. I love that perspective too, of just like looking to my kind of six month ago self and, and asking that question, because no doubt I would be and am incredibly psyched for the progress. You know, the hardest grade that I've climbed to this point was a year ago in January, which was a 12D and it, it was a mega project. And, you know, to now essentially be doing, you know, that I think actually a much more challenging version of that climb now, uh, as often as I am every time I go out has been pretty mind blowing to see the progress. So I, I, it's absolutely a success, but then only just yesterday was I like, Oh God, I'm feeling a little stressed about this thing. So it's nice to have that, um, recalibration of where I'm at and the expectations, and then take that psych into like this winter training block, which I think is a great segue now for us to talk about. Maybe we go from specific to general because people listening right now, whether they did the thing or they didn't do the thing have, depending on where you're at in the world, likely uh, a couple of months here before the spring season is upon us. And does it look wildly different if you do the thing versus if you don't do the thing? Mm. Yeah, it's a good question. I think a lot of it all depends on the timescales that you have for the next part of the year when you want to be in good shape and projecting again, whether it's returning to the project or doing a new project. So timescales are always going to depend on your approach because some things take a lot longer to train. And those always depend on where you're at right now compared to where you want to be. So the next project could require really good wide lock strength, for example but you are so far off the pace with that it might take you six months to 12 months of the year to make a really appreciable gain on that, especially if it requires actually like putting on some muscle mass around the shoulder joint for that. For as an example, something that might take a really long time. Another thing might just be tweaking the sort of the work capacity of either high intensity climbing or low intensity climbing in relation to a project, which will take a little bit less time. So I think that's one factor which is really important to account for. And the second part of it is down to the specifics of what you need to do for any given project that you're going to aim for and what you're returning to. So for example, here is that if you were stepping away from your project now for a few months and going back to it again, is that you really don't need to do very much work at all in terms of changing energy system work or work capacity stuff or power endurance because you've already essentially got into the, exactly the right form and the right shape that you need to be doing now. So you may well actually go back into a training cycle, which almost looks a little bit more like a maintenance cycle, like a low key maintenance cycle that will have another build phase back into peak shape, but will very specifically target a couple of things which you might identify as being key limiters in why you didn't send. And 
the rationale for how much you pull back that volume, that sort of power endurance and general work in the next base phase will be how hard are those two little limiters to work on. So they're really quite big things. You might need to pull back quite a lot of volume in your training to account for it, to give yourself space and recovery, etc. Whereas if you're going from your project and trying something completely new now and you've actually sent, then this will come down again to what does that new project look like? What are the specific things here that will get Ryan, or if we're talking about someone else, into the zone where they've got a good chance on this project? And it's just like any season, I suppose, it's just being quite specific about going, what does my project look like? What are the demands of my project? And how does that map up with me as a climber right now? And it's just like that mapping exercise of or profiling exercise of what's it look like? What do I look like? Do they line up? And then you go back to the, the drawing board, essentially. Let's follow that track for a second, just as a thought experiment here, because I think there's probably a lot of people out there who maybe aren't as specific with training for a project. They just want to go out and have a great trip in the spring and climb a bunch of stuff wherever they're traveling to, or they want to go to the gym and climb stronger and better at their local gym. And so if we don't have a project identified for the spring, which I don't, in fact, I'm so exhausted from this project. I think my quote unquote project, at least in the back of my head for the spring was, would be to go out and try and kind of flash as many things as I can clip some chains essentially. So for those who, who I just want to go out and climb better in three months than they are right now, and they're not projecting anything, what does that look like? So what you're talking about here is basically going and have a having a generalized volume base of trying lots of different routes and hopefully being successful on a number of sort of short, quick ticks. Is that what we're kind of specifically talking about here? Yeah, I think so. Because I, I, if unless you disagree, I feel like that's probably what a lot of people like to do when they go on a trip. Yeah, okay. So I think the, the way I would uh, probably look at in this case is once you've finished your projecting is you want to take a period of at least a couple of weeks of kind of deloading all of your climbing so that you know that you are properly rested from projecting essentially because some people say oh i'm all rested all the whole time but they're really not they just don't know themselves well enough right so take a couple of weeks to just yeah like deload your body of the fatigue that you maybe have carried through for a month two months whatever it might be and then that's a really good time to actually then go back and look at some basic reassessments of testing of either just looking at your general strength and conditioning or just looking at base levels of finger strength and power endurance just to see what has happened as a result of projecting. And one of the uses of doing this at this time of the year is really to understand what are your what's your profile look like in terms of strength versus fitness when you've finished a peak phase of climbing because this is your kind of what you class as your efficiency zone so this is definitely not going to be your strongest whatever you come out on strength is not going to be your strongest because you've tried to go for efficiency mm. whatever you've come out on the fitness side of things this kind of should represent about as efficient as you can get with climbing and so i would take that kind of profiling exercise and say right this is what i look like as a climber and what i would like to do is I'd like to go and do these things on this trip in three months time, four months time, or your local area and start to pick out projects, which 
map up or reflect your own strengths and weaknesses as such in your profile. And once I've done that and gone, right, as I've seen from my peak season, I get really fit, but I actually get relatively weak compared to my sort of top strength sort of uh, part of the year. Then I'll pick projects, which are the longer end, more endurance style, because right now I only have three months or so to prepare for that again. So you just got to like understand that there's not loads of time to change yourself as a climber. Whereas if I did those tests at the peak season and found out actually power endurance hasn't got that great, despite all that work and strength is maintained really high, I might go into that next part of the season and go, right, let's choose shorter things here with a bit more punch and not so many bolts involved with them, short end power endurance or just really hard cruxy sections broken with very big rests and then work to build up into that kind of sort of shape again for that next season. I think that would be the kind of approach that I would take there, given the amount of time that you have to work with it. It would be very different if you said, right, now I want to go and try a trip in September or I'm going to have a whole season of climbing again outdoors in September. That's like nine months. Right. And under that kind of regime, I think you can make quite big changes to your body. And there's a whole number of different strategies available to you. Yeah, that's that makes a lot of sense. First, and and I, I will be curious to do some testing to see where I'm at. I think to your point, I'm probably my my strength has dropped off, but my capacity, my endurance are probably the best they've ever been. But we'll see. I'll probably do that maybe next week just to check where I'm at. Have you done that since returning from the desert, or are you still in your deload couple of weeks here? I've been back and yeah, kind of effectively had my rest period and then gone back and done tried all my different benchmarks and things like that for climbing and what i've noticed with me is that my my strength is really quite far off its peak Hmm. and my fitness is a little bit off its peak so i've kind of effectively lost both of those from that projecting process which doesn't surprise me because i wasn't doing loads of volume whilst projecting it for a whole month so i was probably going to get a little bit less fit there weren't loads of like red point burns from start to second move from the end. There just weren't those types of attempts. So now when I go away again at the beginning of January, what I've been working on is basically a top up of power endurance, but only enough to mean that I'm at least moving forward on that power endurance stuff. I'm not like smashing it because that's not the key thing. But what I have been doing is loads of bouldering because that's really off the pace after that trip. So I've almost put like three quarters of my effort into bouldering and a quarter of it into power endurance. And that's my sort of best strategy, I think, for getting into good shape to go away for two, two and a half weeks of sport climbing from mid-January. Great. So yeah, I was going to ask what's next. What do you got your eye on? So I'm going up to uh, Thailand with Anna Hazelnut. We're going in, we're doing a sort of community charity organization work with helping some guys out in northern thailand set up some new areas and establish cool. areas a little bit well help with some climbing schools and things like that is there slab in thailand i think there is actually but not on the bolted stuff that's more on the bouldering side i'm excited to, to follow along with that trip i'm sure you both will be sharing some things on your respective channels there it's nice to be able to mix uh, a little climbing with doing some good in the world and I think that makes a lot of sense for people who are maybe not as specific like in my boat, but just trying to 
get better is essentially figure out where you're at, figure out the thing that needs to be trained up. And either, and correct me if I'm wrong, but if I'm taking a trip and I want to do, I know my power endurance is my strength, then it's likely I want to identify routes that are going to suit my strength. What if I am not taking a trip and I'm just entering into this block saying, okay, I want to just get better as a climber. Then does the calculus flip and you say, well, I'm going to, I'm going to focus on my weaknesses almost predominantly, or do you like to still continue to build up those strengths? Yeah. So I, in that situation, I would very much go back to what is a sort of fundamental building block of climbing performance, which is strength. And every climber on this planet, pretty much bar no one should be working on the strength element of climbing for a good portion of the year. And the only times to really pull off that strength work where it's really sort of stretching the body as such is at times when you're trying to get into peak shape because you can't combine loads of strength training and loads of power endurance or strength endurance climbing. It just increases your injury risk or the amount of recovery you need for most climbers. There are exceptions with that. With the elite, they can do a little bit more combination of it. So yeah, a, a lot of the climbing population globally should be considering a big part of their base year uh, a big part of their year when they go back to base training, they finished projecting as addressing those key strength elements within climbing. And that can be just, you know, the finger strength, what contact you're able to put through your fingertips on the wall, but it can also be arm strength. It can be shoulder strength. It can be back strength. It can be core strength. There's lots of elements of that, but the requirement to be able to make improvements in strength is generally reducing the amount of higher intensity mid volume work that you do so that you're able to put really good quality in it reduce injury risk and recover adequately from those sessions yeah let's break that down just for a second if we can when we're talking about building strength because the as you said it could be fingers it could be shoulders it could be arms we're talking about if it's more of a kind of a lifting routine you're talking less reps higher weight right so less volume higher intensity if it's hangs or if it's climbing on a board or something like that similar like like essentially not a lot of volume but max effort in in almost each move that you're making or each rep that you're doing yeah exactly i mean i mean the most simplistic way to think of it is being when you do any form of strength session generally err on the side of feeling relatively fresh when you finish mm -hmm. so just as you start to feel like that top end strength performance aspect of whatever exercise you're doing is starting to just dip stop that's going to be enough and then secondly is that whenever you're doing anything is that you're taking big considerable rests that mean you feel recovered enough to try your next rep or your next set on anything that you're doing and that when you're doing any of those sets or reps nothing is taking much more than around 10 seconds to 40 seconds or so to complete the number of reps that exercise. So it could be a board problem that you're literally on the board for just 10 seconds and then you take your three to five minutes rest if you'll recover the guff to have another go. Or it could be your four reps of bench press that take you 20 seconds. Again, that's just in that right kind of zone. But as soon as you start to feel like you're losing that top end, stop. And that's enough. You know, there's countless 
matrices over there out there on the internet to tell you your different rep ranges and intensity and volume to work on for things like building muscle or building recruitment or building work capacity. But at the end of the day, that simple rule will tend to get you stronger as long as you respect things like you can't do it every single day and you need to eat well and you need to sleep well, things like that. Yeah, well, and, and you started this by saying that uh, almost all climbers out there would benefit from focusing a, a good amount of their training time on building strength. I'm curious what you found in all the data that you collect at Lattice, um, what that ratio should look like. Always depends on the individual and what they're aiming for, how old they are, injury risk and things like that. So it's sure. really difficult to give generalized answers, but I would say, oh, if I had to put a number on it, I would say something like over the winter base period, around 50% of your time at the wall will be concentrating on some form of strength exercise, whether that's off the wall stuff with weights, TRX, floor, bar, fingerboard, or on the wall. But the major caveat to really hammer home on this is it's not 50% of your time under tension. It's 50% of the time at the wall. So what I mean by that is if you have a one hour session on the kilter board, for example, you may actually only be under tension, like on the wall for your one hour kilter board session for five to 10 minutes of that. Right. It really shouldn't be anymore. So don't take what I said there as being, oh, it's all activity and under tension. It's just the amount of time, broadly speaking, that you're assigning to that activity. And I would say it should be about 50% of your time should be based around strength stuff. Yeah. So, so con contrasted with like, if you're arc training, an hour session might be 45 minutes under tension because you're doing a 20 minute, a five minute break or a 10 minute break, another 20 minute. Whereas if you're on a moon board, to your point, it's five or 10 minutes because you're ripping really hard moves for 10 seconds and then taking five minutes off. So 50% of your time at the gym, at the wall, you're saying building strength that could be hangboarding, that could be doing weighted pull-ups, that could be doing bench press, deadlift, it could be a moon board. So short, super high intensity bursts of effort. The other 50% at the wall or at the gym would be working in everything else. And what does that typically kind of break down to, to look like? Yeah, so I'd say that would be a combination of very low-end endurance work that you might be doing, especially as a route climber. It would be any skill acquisition work that you might be doing. So trying to work on a rep work, heel hooks, toes, crack, you know, all sorts of different things, just acquiring new skills and also flexibility. Ah, which is something, by the way, I've been working a ton on since we last talked. So I've got some great success stories from how I'm able to rest on the wall now with my hip mobility based on all the stretches that you've been having me do for the last six months. So I appreciate that. I will underscore for people who are watching that the flexibility, the mobility exercises really do pay off on the wall if you just stick with them. If I've got three days a week where I can spend a few hours at the gym rather than you know an hour a day for six days a week, is there a progression that you recommend you know, if I'm going to go in and do heavy hangs and some bench and some deadlift and that kind of thing, can I also do some other training if I take a meal break or something like that? Or do you really recommend trying to split 
that one hour of high intensity training off from the one hour of maybe lower intensity training. You, you can totally combine the two. I think that split level training is generally for people who are really elite level. So their kind of recovery is just requ recovery requirements are really high or people that just have very busy lives and just struggle for just energy or time and fitting them in really big blocks. So they, that's the way for them to manage that. I think an example that I'd probably give to people if they're thinking about like how to structure this is firstly, just want to say one, one extra additional detail on the strength work is I think more or less most climbers should be protecting at least 75% of their strength work to being climbing specific strength work. So that can be the fingerboarding or on the wall strength work and no more than 25% on bar, calisthenics, floor work, something like that. I hate this concept of people ending up doing half of their work just in a CrossFit gym, which is okay, but it's really not going to translate so well into climbing. So that's the kind of one preface that I want to say to that. So to give an example, let's say we've got someone who has two hours down the gym. We're going to assign 50% of that time to strength work. So that could look like 45 minutes climbing on a system board, for example. Really quick, good quality. Stop as soon as the power starts to go. Then you can follow up with 15 minutes of strength and conditioning work on two key exercises that you've identified is important for you on that season. That's your 15 minutes work done. Now you're left with an hour. So you can spend half an hour of your last hour doing some really light endurance work, or you can do some slab work, or you can do some really technical drill work for half an hour. And then finally, you've got half an hour at the end where you can do some quality stretching work, which is perfectly adequate if you do that throughout the week, throughout the month, because you'll make really big improvements in flexibility, which totally translate to the wall. So that's how I would tend to break down something like a two-hour session. And I think 95% of general climbers out there would have amazing results if they could just stick to that and do it for three months. Oh my gosh, I'm so hyped to get to the gym now. <laughs> I love it. No, and your project. Oh, that's right. That's right. <laughs> okay, I'm hyped for both. I'm going to get to the gym and I'm going to get out to the project. Buddy, I just, I'm glad that we're back in the seat here. This is, it's great to connect. We had to take a couple months off to go get very close, but not quite do the thing, but it wouldn't be an enjoyable process and rewarding outcome ultimately if it wasn't a struggle. Uh, it's the way, isn't it? Gluttons for punishment. And that there wraps up another wonderful conversation with the wonderful Tom Randall. I hope you enjoyed it. Great way to kick off the new year here. Now, if you're a patron, you can see the full uncut video of today's chat with Tom right over on your Patreon feed, along with so much other bonus content from the best climbers in the game. And if you're not a patron, you can either subscribe right there in your Apple podcast player if you're an iPhone person, or if you listen elsewhere or you want to get like extra perks like the videos that I'm talking about, you can pop over to patreon.com slash the struggle climbing show to check things out. And right now you can actually sign up for a free trial. So there's zero cost at all to check out all of that bonus content with huge rock climbers like Dave McLeod, Alex Honnold, Chris Sharma, Nina Williams, Hazel Finley, and so many others. It's all over there. You can get instant access for free. And then of course, if you like it, I would love for you to stick around because that's how I pay the bills over here. And plus, if you needed a little more of a kick in the harness, right now we're doing a giveaway. If you join the Patreon community this month, you'll automatically be entered to win a year's supply of Magdus Chalk, plus a $250 Rungni gift card to score yourself some awesome gear over there. 
You can quit anytime, no questions asked. So if you've been thinking about supporting the show and getting access to all that cool bonus stuff, now is a pretty good time to do it. Good luck, I hope you win, thank you so much. The Struggle is Carbon Neutral in partnership with the Honnell Foundation. Awesome. This episode was produced and hosted by me, Brian Devlin, and The Struggle is a proud member of the Plug Tone Audio Collective, a diverse group of the best, most impactful podcasts in the outdoor industry. I hope your training and climbing are going great. Have an awesome day, and I will see you soon.